dear friends, welcome to this seventh episode of the Pearl Dialogues. Today, you will join me and Elin as we have a conversation with Chris Elsinha. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. You'll be the judge of that later when you hear him speak his own name. Today, we dive into the topic of soul and we actually explore our own experience of the soul and individual consciousness. The Diamond Approach has a unique perspective on the term or the concept of soul. So this is an interesting dive. Other than that, we talk about belonging and the difficulty a lot of human beings experience nowadays of feeling alienated, disconnected in different ways. And we also share our personal accounts on that topic it's a very heartful conversation, so I wish you all the best for those of you who are new to this work, this podcast. The Diamond Approach is a teaching and a school that explores the deeper nature of reality, the true nature of reality. So this is the theme of our podcast. And on this podcast, we have conversations with teachers of the school. Like always, if there is anything that you want to dive deeper into, you can go to the diamondapproach.org website. Other than that, I invite you to listen in presence, to sense your body, to feel how the conversation impacts you experientially, as this is not a classical, just only talking, talking, talking kind of podcast. Uh, we, we do talk, <laughs> but it's more to it than that. We're also sharing presence. And this is at the center of what we do. So that's it for me. And yeah, enjoy the journey. So welcome all into this space. Welcome to Chris Alzinga. Do I pronounce your name correctly? Quite well. <laughs> How would you say it? In, in Dutch is Chris Elzinga. Chris Elzinga. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's difficult for non non-Dutch people mm. to speak. Ah, coming uh, from the throat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that speaks to where you live in Amsterdam, mm. Netherlands. Yeah, very close to Amsterdam. In in Haarlem. In Haarlem, yeah. I've heard yeah. about uh, that place, yeah. Very close to the coast. Hmm. Yeah, and it brings up the question that me and Elin also talked about, uh, that we're both curious about a bit about your background leading into the Diamond Approach. You are a Diamond Approach teacher. You were an ordained in 2017. Yes. And from what I gather, most Diamond Approach teachers, um, I mean... Being in the Diamond Approach, when, when you also step in, in, in as a teacher, it really begins to truly absorb your life in the sense that uh, a lot of, or you can maybe speak to this, how, how much, how big part of your life is the Diamond Approach and how do you see that connection? Yeah, different questions. Yeah. Um, perhaps I can start off with the... Uh how I came to the diamond approach, anyhow. Eh? Yes, please. 
So um, actually, I started with um, Franciscan spirituality in the in the eighties, last century. Um, and it was, it was important for quite some years. It's still still on the background in my in my life. Um, it was very opening at, at that time. There were the, the the ones who gave the, the training were very open to uh, other ways of experiencing uh, life, experiencing things. Uh, it opened up a lot. But uh, afterwards, I realized I need more uh, guidance in terms of meditation. We have meditated in the Franciscan uh, uh, trainings quite a lot, but I needed more um, guidance for it. So I looked around and found Shambhala Buddhism. Perhaps you know that uh, the branch of Tibetan Buddhism uh, led by Trumpa Rinpoche, who he, he was uh, he was uh, not living at that time anymore, but uh, there was quite a um, few people in the Netherlands who were uh, teaching uh, Shambhala Buddhism, and um, I was there in in that uh, in the in that sangha for around ten years. But halfway, I met an, a Norwegian Norwegian uh, friend, uh, and he he was quite interested in Almas, in the books of Almas. So he, he I remember quick, clearly, certain moment I got an email and he said, something is happening in the middle of your country, a retreat, and you need to go there. And um, I had very high esteem of, uh, of uh, my friend, Inge Gjelau. So I went, and that was my first retreat, the uh, Ritham retreat. And uh, I know from the very, very beginning, I fell in love with the teaching. What and, did you uh, fall in love with? Um, when uh, during the first retreat, um, the teachers used the word soul, and that really appealed to me. There was something resonating in me. I think from my Christian background. Um, and I realized I'm, I've missed that in the Buddhist teachings. Um, so some something was more common uh, to me or fitted uh, better to uh, to me where I was at. Um, and uh, you know, in the Christian tradition, we talk also about soul, but nobody tells what the soul is. And that's the, the great thing in the diamond approach. We, People talk about the soul and tell something about, and, and it's I can uh, experience something like the soul. So that was a, a beauty from the beginning. And in the first uh, few years, I remember going into the retreats, and I went quite deep. A lot of sadness, a lot of pain came through. But towards the end of each retreat, it was something like. Uh, I was kind of floating in the air, full of love. And uh, sometimes my oldest daughter said when I came home after seven days of retreat, uh, Daddy, with your feet on the ground. <laughs> it was around um, 10 or so by then. But she felt that 
something, uh, yeah, I was not really floating, but it felt like not really, um, yeah, how to say that. I was so happy. Yeah. So, in the first few years, it was, I felt like uh, not Alice in Wonderland, but I, Alex or Chris in Wonderland. So, yeah. Yeah. So much, so many openings. Yeah. What's happening for you now as you're sharing this? I see there's like a little sparkle in your eye, but, but it's yeah. not for you. Yeah, it's, um, I, I feel the love, I feel the, the joy. Um, my heart opens up when I, when I hear, when I remember these things. And at the same time, I'm quite uh, warm, but it's also, this is my first podcast. So uh, it's a little bit nervous too, and all at the same time. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very much welcome. I know. Yeah. What's it like for USC to be here right now? Maybe we can take a little round. What's happening? Yeah, when I was meditating, I, I centered in my belly, really feeling into my arms, feeling into my legs, centered in my belly. And I felt into the, the principle of grounding, feeling grounded, grounding. And I noticed that when Chris was speaking uh, and he mentioned the word, word, word soul, I became curious about that. Uh, so I felt an impulse of wanting to dive deeper into the word soul. Mm, yeah. There is a lot of people have so many understandings of it. So to to explore what that means within the context of the diamond approach and perhaps also speak to our own experiences of soul, I feel would be a very interesting avenue to, to go down. Mm. Yeah, yeah, let's. <laughs> yeah, so... Elin, what's what what's what's happening for you before we move into that? So that oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love that. It's my favorite question. <laughs> I love to say it to others, and I love to get it myself. Um, yeah, in the meditation we did prior the podcast, we sit down and we meditate together, the three of us. Um, I felt in this like excitement. I haven't uh, been in a um, in an episode for for quite some while, so I'm so happy to be back, and I'm very like um, curious, lots of yellow um, about you, Chris, and about um, how this meeting will be, the three of us, and and yeah, and this topic about the soul. Mm. That's so that's so juicy, and uh, I. It's a bit new for me as well. Like I'm not so I'm not so old in the diamond approach. I just have a, a couple of, of years or even less than that, maybe two years, one year. Um but there was something my private session teacher told me in a one-on-one -on -one session that it was something from my childhood, which she just pointed out that like I don't think your soul had time to realize what was happening when your father died. Like my dad died when I was very young, I was two. And 
in that session with that teacher working deep, I, I cried in a way I can never remember that I cried. Like I touched something so mm. deep that I can recognize being some type of shock or sorrow, probably in my soul. And a bit like you said, Chris, like afterwards, I was like flying high. I was mm. so light and I was amazed that this one-on-one -on -one teaching with the with the private teacher could be like the best type of therapy there ever was without it even being therapy mm -hmm. like, i was just exploring my soul and i'm very curious about it but that's that's like a, yeah that's my experience mm -hmm. um what's uh, what about the two of you what is your experience with the soul <laughs> in the diamond approach <laughs> well perhaps i can tell some of my inquiries uh, about it what showed up in uh, some of my inquiries Please. i remember clearly that um, in the beginning there was only the resonance of the word soul um i didn't have any experience in the, in the beginning but uh, quite soon on one of the evenings doing a the retreat um i with my inner vision i saw something like a shape a kind of plasma plasmatic shape uh, around my uh, body it's bigger than my, my body and it felt very fluid um and i was excited because i've never I've never experienced something like that so i went to my teacher and I was so excited. I was telling her what I had experienced. And she said, stop. And then I was like, okay. And then she said, do you feel it now? I said, yes. And then she said, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I really, it touches me. When I, because I felt such a deep recognition of who I was at that moment. Yeah. Such a deep recognition. And a few years later, I was um, in America, the, the, the big summer retreat of Hamid in Asilomar. And um, I didn't understand anything of his teachings, I think. <laughs> but on a certain moment, I did an inquiry. Um, I was sitting outside with a few people. Um, I went in an inquiry and I, with my inner vision, I saw uh, myself as a in a baby shape, as a body, but around it was a, an, a pure, transparent uh, kind of, yeah, again, a kind of plasma, um, I could say, without any sh specific shape or form. And I saw my mother ben bending over me, looking at me, and with kind of an expectation. And I realized, oh, she expects me to be a form. She is, expects me to be a baby or this, this uh, body, but I'm much more than my this body. I'm this, this trans pure, transparent uh, shape or without shape, you know, a plasmatic, plasmatic, yeah, something. And, um, it was so touching because then I realized 
at that moment, there's still the connection with uh, having no form, no specific form. So I can take all forms, but at the same time, the body is a form within that within a bigger space. And she expect, expects me to be a baby laughing or whatever specific form. So that for me, that was a kind of a breakthrough because I realized fundamentally I'm formless. I can, can take on many forms. I can have so many kinds of experiences, so many kinds of feelings, so many kinds of thoughts, so many. And I saw how I identified to being a, a, a baby because my mother was expecting me to be like that. Mm. And later became more connected with the sense of, of uh, presence. So to feel that formlessness in a more um, felt way, I could say. So does it somehow resonate with your experiences? For me personally, everything that you say makes sense. I can resonate. I understand where you're coming from in terms of saying this feel like openness and uh, this deeper beingness that we are that cannot be defined or limited to one particular shape, although shapes are here the, the body has a particular shape but there is a deeper dimension to what we are that yeah. is formless uh, and one cannot grasp that with with the mind in the same way one can know it and feel it and experience it directly so i'm i, I have in my awareness that so for some people listening in what you're saying would make total sense. You know, I'm not my body. And I decided in the moment of having that experience, it, it sounds like there was a disidentification that happened or it was a significant shift, perhaps. I don't know if in that particular moment, but anyway, yeah. in, in the process, there was a disidentification happening where there was a discrimination between... Uh, the, the our bodily form and our formless nature as consciousness or as yes. the soul. Yeah. So for me, uh, I I have the same experience. And now, one thing that is very wonderful and interesting is, after that happened for me, when I look at people, I can I can, I can feel their soul that is beyond the body. Mm -hmm. form. Mm. which is such a, both such a mystical uh, experience because it cannot be, it cannot be grasped in, in, in the way that we usually grasp things. And at the same time, it's so real. And there is so much, there is so much, uh, it's so palpable. It's so mm. palpable. So you bring in the word presence as well. So I really feel all of the different elements links together. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a gift to hear another account of how we as human being has the, have the potential to, to awaken to uh, 
other dimensions of ourselves that is not limited to the body. Yeah. 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 For me, it's it fitted also very much on an experience I have had from my early youth, or perhaps um, something I never lost. Like I have always felt there was some deeper ground in people, mm-hmm. something um, beyond what they were saying or beyond what they were doing. Or I could also say be beyond the, the ego, the ego. Um, so I could never be angry with people for much, much, very long, because I felt there's something uh, else uh, uh, in people. I could say something more fundamental in people, or uh, I always felt there's a layer of goodness in everyone. Uh, and perhaps they don't show it, but I felt always there is something else that is uh, uh, that can be trusted in people. I've never lost that uh, during my youth. So somehow that fitted to um, the words I got in the in the diamond approach, um, where they talk about the soul. Then it made made completely sense to me. Mm-hmm. That's all so, the spirit or innocent or yeah yeah there's all these uh, these these beautiful qualities are there mm. yeah it's not not only love and in the soul soul can take so many forms mm. also uh, strength and will and value and it's all found in the soul mm. so basically the essence qualities that we usually talk about in the school yeah yeah. 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 And how the soul is real. It's something that we can know and experience. It's not an abstract destination out there or a concept either. It's something that we can feel. It points to something that is real. And I am very curious about you, Elin, how how you relate to all of this. How do you understand what Chris was sharing in that? my my own personal sharing within this context yeah yeah there were parts of it i actually didn't feel like i understood um because but i realized why now because i think i talk more about essence like i am so into the different essence colors and the so for example like i mentioned earlier in the podcast yellow curiosity like but and I'm maybe seeing them a bit more divided and also haven't been in the school for so long. But what I'm getting from the two of you now is that the soul contains all the essences and kind of are in flow with that as well. Maybe something bigger. I don't know. What would you, the two of you say? You ask me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, the, the soul uh, expresses it all. And um, especially when you feel it more in a pure form, you could say also say then you feel the soul more in its purity. Yeah. So when there's the, the love or the strength or the, the power, when it comes through in this, this pure form, mm. you, uh, you really sense 
you're not only in the body, but it's much bigger what you feel. Most of the time, it's also beyond the body that you feel it. Mm, the expansion, sort of like yes, yeah. feeling your body and going beyond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that I know what it is, <laughs> but I never thought about it as a soul. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I would also like to to say that um, also the body is not separate from the soul. Mm. So I could say that the, the body is the most physical expression of the soul. Mm. So it's not the soul and the body. It's not two, two different things. But the soul is more than the body. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And but that's, that's also why, why it's so nice. Eh? You can the, the 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 body is so much an entrance to feeling all these essential qualities. Eh? When you when you have the body, you can really feel what love is, like an outflow, and and it can expand beyond your your physicality so much. Um, but it's, it's the same with all the other qualities. When you feel a value, for instance. And it feels like a, a grounding in your body. And there you feel a kind of a, a, a contentment and a, a natural being, natural beingness. I'm, I'm here. There's no, no doubting, no questioning yourself. But it's felt as a kind of an uprightness in your body. It's so beautiful. To, uh, that's also why we um, put so much uh, uh, attention to what the body is going through. Um, yeah, I re really resonate with what you say in terms of how the soul contains it all. Uh, that's something that I can very much relate to. Yeah. And I also notice how the word uh, individual consciousness come to the, the picture because I know within the school, they yeah. are synonymous individual consciousness. So some people are maybe more familiar with that notion of individual consciousness and don't necessarily use the soul. So within this school, it yeah. is the same. Um, and it also brings to awareness uh, something Jessica Britt shared, who is, a, who is another teacher of the school, around how in the beginning there was only personality and essence. There was no notion of soul. And yeah, yeah. the determination was you're either in the personality, which means in the ego personality, this, your structured self, or you're in true nature. And then with the notion of soul, you have something real that contains it all. Uh, yeah. So that's that's something that I very much resonate with. Huh? Yeah. 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 Mm. And at the same time, it's my experience. Yeah. I could say it's my soul's experience of the soul's experience. Mm. The soul points to that too. Right? That there's an individual, an individual consciousness, but there's an individual here, kicking mm. in the life. I could say. This is so interesting how there is an individual there, individual here, and that we're having an ongoing experience that is unique to ourselves and yeah. simultaneously that we we share the same substance and we are of the same nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a fascinating thing, huh? <laughs> so, Chris, I am, I'm a bit curious 
you mentioned um, in your inquiring experience of being young and in a in a soul and your mother seeing you. How has this? Because you have kids yourself. I have two daughters. You have daughters, yes. So how have this influenced you as a parent? Like your the teaching and and everything and the concept of the soul. Well, it's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. What comes up first uh, to me, um, I had quite a difficult youth. Um, I've been also in a foster family when I was 14 years old, the last seven years I was in a foster family. Uh, but when I got two daughters, um, my wife and I shifted. So she, she became the main um, um, in, income bearer. How do you say that? She brought in the, most of the income. And um, I started to be at home most of the time to take care of the kids. And meanwhile, I did all kinds of things to start a kind of new kind of work uh, again. But I, I loved to be with the kids because I, I had missed so much uh, of that kind of free space, loving space in my own youth. Um, perhaps that's the was the most important uh, uh, thing uh, for me for a long time to uh, be in an, in a in a space with my children where um, love could be uh, be there, could grow. Uh, I remember clearly I was uh, sitting with. Uh, one daughter on my lap, Renske, and the other beside me, and I was um, uh, reading fairy tales. And uh, there were specific fairy tales that um, uh, I started almost crying, and I couldn't go on with. Uh, so the, the black swan, that's one of them. Eh? So the, um, in my youth, I felt an, uh, an outcast for, for, for many years, or, yeah, outcast. Don't know if that's the good word, but uh, anyhow, the one who doesn't fit. Uh, so when I was reading these stories for my children, I couldn't, I couldn't continue because I almost had to cry myself. And then after a minute or two, I could start again. And but it was so healing because the the, the space was so much uh, filled with love. So the, my inner child, I could say, uh, I had missed so much, was uh, healed uh, in that period. And yeah, at a certain moment, I, I entered the diamond approach, and my um, I didn't talk much about the diamond approach, or at least not the the, the diamond language. I could say the diamond approach language, but um, I surely can see that my daughters just. Uh, got a lot of it uh, from just uh, being around. And my wife started uh, with the diamond approach too. After five years, I started in 2001 and she started in 2006. So it was all over the place, but um, we didn't use the word absence, all these kind of uh, specific words, but uh, it, um, Especially the oldest one, uh, 
she, um, how to say that? Absorbed, absorbed a lot of it. And she's uh, doing counseling work nowadays. She's a coach uh, uh, and does a lot of things, I think, that uh, have to do with inner work. Mm -hmm. In fact, her a lot. And of course, she's, she's also very sensitive to it. Uh, the, the youngest take it on so well, so much, I could say. But, you know, with my, with my youngest, I clearly remember when she was around 10, 10 years old, she still had this, this openness and purity that you see with the smaller children. I often said to my wife, this is so amazing that she still is connected uh, with her being so well without the, her having words for that or being aware of it. But she, uh, you may, with most children, you see that they lose that kind of innocence quite soon. But I think she lost it only when she was around 10, 10 years old and some dramatic things happened with uh, uh, some of her friends. It shocked her life very much. Yeah. But she is still, she's very open to the spiritual will, like my uh, my oldest. And we, call, we can talk about this. We, we have language for it, and that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question a bit, Aileen. Uh, I think my question was very, very open. Um, I, but there's something in my mind, like first, thank, thank you for sharing. It's very interesting to listen to. And then I think what was um, getting to me was, uh, I don't know your relationship with, with your mother, but you said this thing that, you know, she was looking at you and expecting you to be a baby. Like she was objectifying you. and. I, I'm guessing or I'm curious, like, if, if you could make an active choice to not do certain things which your parents did to you mm -hmm. due to your, your own knowledge. Yeah. 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 I certainly have chosen to do many things different from my mother yeah. <laughs> and my father. Yeah. Very consciously. You have something specific that was like, yeah, this thing is... Sorry? Do you remember something specific? Reading, doing all kinds of things with, uh, with the children, play a lot with the children. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about uh, my, my youngest, for a long time, for a long time, for at least a year, she was talking about uh, a friend she had. Um, in the land of Abagoy. Every morning, of many mornings, she she came up with a story that during the night, uh, in her dream, she had played with uh, a girl from Abagoy. I don't know, but I was always curious about her experience with uh, with playing in, in, in that, that other dimension or realm. And it stopped only when my oldest daughter said, don't, don't be so silly, this is not silly. <laughs> Uh, it's just a pity, but um, 
I talked about the, the, the dream life uh, a lot, uh, about inner life, all kinds of uh, other experiences uh, they had, I had. Also experiences in the family of uh, high sensitivity. Yeah. Recently, I, um, I think two or three years ago, um, I started to question my mother, she's 96 by now, uh, about her youth. And I got, I dived really into uh, her youth. And uh, I discovered a, a, a thread or a line of high sensitivity from my daughter, me, my mother, her mother, uh, her, her father. Um, it was very interesting to see that the, the high sensitivity is uh, going through the generation. Uh, gives a, a, a deeper sense of um, belonging because sometimes when you are in a situation that um, as a man to be very sensitive that it can be seen as soft uh, but they can see it's just a line um, and it, it makes so much sense that I have this sensitivity my daughter has this sensitivity yeah more sense of less less uh, strange less alien yeah. How do you experience that sensitivity? How is how does it come through for you? Mm -hmm. First thing that comes up when when there's something with my wife, I I start to say, "Oh, is if there's something?" And she has not noticed it yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something. <laughs> One of the many ways. Yeah. Another thing that stands out for me is this notion you brought in in terms of belonging or feeling like an outcast, you know, which yeah. is in the same spectrum. And I feel that is something a lot of people nowadays can relate to. Um, even if you have a big friend circle, often we can feel a sense of not belonging um, yeah. in this world, with our community, at our workplace. Maybe that's something we could explore and, and dive into. Uh, it's something I definitely can relate to in my own personal journey, uh, both on the path and, and also before that. Uh, I, I remember growing up, I had a lot of friends, but there was something missing, a sense, a sense of connection that was missing. Um, on one level, you could say it was on a soul level, but also maybe on a, on, a, on a deeply human level as well, that the environment and community wasn't there for me to really be myself in a way that was encouraged and that honored my authenticity. What is it for you to talk about it now, like look back at it? I feel comfortable. I feel very comfortable talking about it. And I notice also a quality of heartfulness because I, it, it, it feels meaningful to me as well. There is a sense of meaning in it. And like I said, 
I observe and know in myself that there are so many people in this this age that experience both alienation and a sense of not belonging. So I just noticed that I it activates my heart uh, to talk about. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. And do you also meet people who have the same feeling of not belonging or feel alienated? Alien or me? Yes, you? Yeah, so I do, I do, I do, I, I do meet that quite a lot. And at times, um, I would say where there is a sense of, there is also dimensions to belonging, yeah? So you have more mental yeah. kind of belonging, an idea of, oh, I'm a part of this friend circle, which is more mental. Um, I have these friends, which means that I belong, but for the heart to feel belonging is a different story. Mm. Mm. So I believe that, particularly in my old circles of friends, my sense is that the sense of belonging can often be more in the head and within because we share history, there is a sense of belonging there. Um, but in the heart and also maybe in the belly, which I feel very much links to this possibility and ability to share presence like to share conscious presence with another so my sense of belonging is, belonging is primarily found with with deep friends with deep friends with people that i uh, ha have a deep friendship with so usually individuals or uh, triads of people mm -hmm. but not I, I rarely find it in larger groups, for instance. That's my experience. And I do observe this on a, on a, on a great, greater scale in my own networks and peer group. And what happens in your heart when you feel connected? Mm. Often what activates for me is joy, the joy aspect and, and the sense of playfulness, um, from another perspective, I can often experience a sense of intimacy, uh, being very comfortable in in the field, being with other people, a sense of feeling free to be spontaneous, and and um, explore. So there is a, more of me activates, more aspects of my soul comes forth because the environment allows it, you could say, or that welcomes it or meets it or invites it in. And when, when you make this gesture, what yeah. happens to your heart? <laughs> yeah, so that's basically what happens to my heart. Right now, I feel I do feel a sense of connection, mm -hmm. a sense of connection. So I notice how the movements of my arms is an extension of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there a sense of expansion too? When you do this? Definitely, definitely. And talking about this topic and, and tuning into my own thread of belonging and how it's changed over the years and how I've also come to see where I feel a sense of belonging and when I don't uh, in of itself is experienced as a gift 
because for a lot of people that's completely obscure and for me it was obscure for a long time while now I know in my heart and in my own conscious experience that I have experienced belonging and I'm in touch with it now in a way yeah uh, and sharing space with you guys where there is a sense of presence there's a sense of attentive listening there's a sense of caring there's a sense of curiosity and a lovingness that is in the field yeah So do you sense, uh, Aileen, if your hand on your heart? Yeah, I needed to put my hand on my heart a bit while listening. Felt a bit vulnerable, this topic. Mm. Yeah, mm, there's um, some little fear here about, um, yeah, about being the black swan, I guess, or like, or just the, the the odd one out, not in, not between the us, but in my history to remember that that vulnerability and and scaredness and and I um, I started uh, judging myself a bit uh, while listening, thinking that I. Uh, how I learned how to be authentic was through acting, actually. I was on stage a lot and in theater, which is very close to reality, but it's still a game. Yeah. Um, in a role. I was in different roles, yes. And yeah. uh, I wanted to experience as much as I could of life. So I thought acting was the career for me because mm -hmm. then you could live so many lives. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I also see that this is I didn't know who I was I, mm -hmm. I just tried to experience I tried to get in touch with my soul and connection and I, I remember the first time I, choose, I chose my friends when I was 14 or 15 they were also the odd ones out Everyone, we looked like Marilyn Manson and The Cure. Like we, we were very creative, um, and that was our thing in our community. Like we were a couple of teenagers, I guess um, six or seven, and uh, and that was that was my first sense of belonging. But I also belonged because I was the old one out. We were like. Uh, little group of misfits um, that made that our thing. And, and so, but it's, yeah, this finding a identity. And, and then now as an adult, I, I don't know how to look. I don't know what I think about it really. It's, uh, I can see I did my, my best to belong. I, I was as authentic as I could. But also my emotions were everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. I was very emotionally unstable and charismatic uh, as well. Uh, yeah, and, and it's a bit vulnerable to like think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so. Yeah, the vulnerability for me for a long time uh, had to do with... Um, when I'm in a in a circle of people, um, 
and they apparently uh, see me as part of 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 the group and um, I'm not sure if I feel part of the group and that had to do with my background I said I was scapegoated that was the word I was searching earlier in my uh, in my youth I was scapegoated I was the black black sheep so I didn't belong to the to the to the group of my family and then my my parents divorced and I came to another family it was the older sister of my father and then the question do do I belong came back eh, in a, in a new way like uh, yeah can I stay with them that was uh, the first question how long can I stay with them and uh, I have to do my best to be accepted so I have to do something it's not a natural thing that I can stay there so the question of belonging or not belonging was always active when I was in that the foster family. And that stayed for me for uh, for decades, I must say. And sometimes I still have the feeling that I don't belong. Everybody in, in my group says, oh, you're a big part of the group. And, um, and there's something in me that, that can't gra grapple, that it can't grab it. So, eh, do I belong here? Um, and um, so not belonging or uh, what I for a long time uh, happened to do was when I was in a group, I was like um, not committing myself completely to it. And then it felt like I was um, close to the door. So I could go out if, I, if, if it wouldn't, wouldn't fit me anymore. Yeah? So I was always close to the door. To, to escape route and um, and really something is uh, shifting in me in in the spirit of my life being uh, a teacher and being uh, partaking in, in a team of a of a group an ongoing group and I find myself more and more in the inner circle and that's a completely new experience to me mm. and that makes me sometimes also very vulnerable to find myself in a place where there's no escape anymore. Or that people uh, uh, say something very nice to me, that sometimes so unexpected and vulnerable. How do you feel sharing that now in your body, in your soul? Yeah, it's a bit... Um, Um, it's sobering. That's the first word that comes up uh, in me. Also, something that is still affecting me in uh, in my life. I'm. Uh, uh, it started when I was young, and it still is working in me. That's kind of sobering, and of course, it has changed. Eh? the the inner work so much so much 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 has changed i feel so much more comfortable in in groups but still uh, sometimes this inner child comes out and in a way it's um, i could say it's a, it's a pity because i i can't be completely free in groups the difficult uh, thing 
they don't easily feel at ease in, in groups. And at the same time, it's something that is um, part of my process. So I can look at it and see what, what new things are to be discovered here. Mm. And, um, and I think this inner child needs lots of comfort still. Still, so I, I, I need to take care of that that part of me that um, still doesn't believe that it uh, belongs. And how would you say you take? So I, so I feel I feel I feel compassion also for for myself in this moment, or for this inner inner part in me, mm. inner child. So there's a softness in in me, in my heart especially. The warmth in my heart, and um, I feel also a lot of silence in me when I talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. What emerges for me? Thank you for sharing. Is um, some people may be thinking. I have places like that in myself, environments where I feel uncomfortable or arenas where I don't feel in my element or I feel alienated and I have inner children coming up. Uh, how, and, and you said something along the lines of I have to really care for that part in me. How, how do you care for that part of yourself? How? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, when I notice that I don't feel at ease in a group. Um, there are di dif different ways to, to handle this. I could go out, uh, I could start become very active with other people. But what helps me most is just feel the uneasiness uh, that is there. And to notice, okay, there's this inner, inner child that is triggered because it's doesn't doesn't trust the environment. It doesn't know what what it is about. And then I just um, give it attention, like uh, what I would do when my daughter would be in such a situation. I would say, "Come, come on, come here," and uh, give it attention with uh, with care and love, actually. So that my heart is evoked in that kind of circumstances. And there's a kind of, um, uh, I could also say become more silent. So people would, would see me as uh, becoming silent because I'm more uh, drawn inwards to give that note, to, to give that inner, uh, inner child attention. Just give it attention and say, okay, you you don't feel at ease to really to give it recognition of the feelings. You don't feel at ease. I don't feel at ease. Okay, that's it. Just breathe through it, I could say. And be gentle with it. Perhaps that's the best word, to be very gentle with that. And the gentleness evokes the heart and the love. And at a certain moment, I've... I've there's this, um, and it's like melts away, and I can partake in the group again. 
So it's a kind of a switch of attention going outward, which is more the, 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 the reactive things, I could say, trying to handle it, switch to going inside and to learn more about what is needed here. Something in pain, okay, that needs attention. Caring. In my in my experience, then the uneasiness really melts away, and uh, I become more open to the field again. You recognize something like that in your own experience? Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Even also a bit now when, when you're sharing and you're talking about it, I can notice some inner children or one or two is getting really nervous and afraid about different things, which I can't really pinpoint, but really the, it was like the sensations that you were describing. I could, they were working in my body at the same time. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't really know what they're afraid of, but doing something wrong, maybe, or being wrong. It's something in the in the inner child that gets so nervous and then to show up and be that parent for your inner child and, and take care and have it melt and like mm. self-love, like self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so uh, it's so wonderful to hear you share about this because when I'm in that space where I feel so alone or vulnerable or uh, hurt or something has gotten triggered, it's like I believe I'm the only one who ever feels like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one else experiences this, and it's yeah. only me, Miss Bromwitz. No, no, no. Like, and yeah. then to share, it's like, oh, like yes. Yeah. This is this is life. <laughs> yeah, one important thing I, I I learned during the years was a saying that children needs to be seen, eh? or wants to be want to be seen. But I think it's more like children needs to be felt. Mm. So when there's an inner child triggered. Uh, I could say, okay, this is inner child feeling sad or pain, but I feel it. And because I feel it, 100%, the child feels, okay, he feels it. He, he really knows what it is now. Yeah. And then the child can relax. Mm. So the I need to really go into the feeling, like 100%, feeling it all like the child is feeling it. That's the important thing. And you, Vasily, what's, what's alive in you now listening to this? I, I resonate with that. And what comes up for me is I mean, a more fundamental notion of really loving oneself, but also loving the truth. 
of mm -hmm. this is actually happening inside of me can i be with it can i feel it out and and also yeah. you know, being curious about ah, what is going on so there is that I notice I get in touch with that sense of openness and this genuine desire to know myself as I am, which involves really feeling into all parts of myself and showing up in my experience, mm -hmm. showing up in every experience to my to whatever my capacity is. And also this very also compassionate but also difficult sometimes difficult notion and understanding that many of these rubbings of our soul or these these difficult experiences they come back again it's not mm -hmm. that we we feel it out one moment and then they dissipate and it's gone and and we are we're liberated permanently it's rarely the case so it seems like that process of alchemy and not only alchemy but also being with the different aspects of our human experience is a part of the human experience mm. and uh, i've been being I, i've been with that uh, over the last couple of days inquiring into suffering and inquiring into disconnection and at times feeling disconnected really feeling into that and sometimes it feels like that moment is forever <laughs> that they can have this sense of yeah i don't know if this is going to go away i don't know if it's going to go away. i don't know how long this will last but it's here and the deeper awareness that comes to me is again the love for the truth and how that in of itself the orientation of really loving what is present transcends the individual process that is taking place and when that has opened up or when that opened up in my soul then that in of itself is a bomb or that in of itself is a difficult to put a word word for for the significance of that uh in, in 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 how i experience it and how how that the significance of that for me uh mm. because it's so deep <laughs> yeah mm. yeah and sometimes um the truth is that this uh Feelings can be too much. And that's what I like so much from the, the diameter approach, that they, they don't put you through things. They don't push you. And there's, when it's too much, that's the truth. And it's too much. Then we, okay, be careful here. Yeah. When there's a barrier, it's not going through the barrier, but no, just how does, how does the barrier look like? Is it high? Is it, is it big? Is it, what kind of material is it? Mm -hmm. Is it uh, steel, iron, uh, mud, uh, sand, uh, or just air? Just have a look. Yeah, and for me, I come to mind like sitting in a circle like that and feeling these overwhelming feelings and staying, like having every cell in my 
like every fiber in my bone telling me, run out the door, run, like it's too much. And staying and continuing to be curious. And, yeah. and that's so, yeah, I mean, it works. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what can I say? It's... I, I, what I would say, I would suggest we do a little uh, seance with the with the piano. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> so Chris has a piece of music that he has invited for us.
piano music is very dear to me. Um, I'm studying this piece myself uh, these days. And um, hearing the music, I really felt touched in my heart. It speaks to the heart uh, immediately, directly. Uh, and um, what I love of... Uh, this kind of music, it's, it's wordless, it's without words. So it, there's hardly any interference of language or ideas. It's just, it's so direct to the feelings. And for me, it's, it's just mystery that is uh, opening up uh, with this kind of music. With every sound, you know, every sound comes from silence. And then there's this sound, and then fades away. There's silence again, and then another note. So there's this formlessness, yeah? silence, and form, sound, every moment, coming up, coming up, coming up. When I hear this music, I, I, it connects me um, immediately with uh, the mystery of life, with uh, the depth I could call, my inner depth, with the uh, depth of life. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm in touch with the silence in this moment while I'm talking. It evokes the silence in me. And it goes so much beyond concepts. So somehow it quietens my mind also. And um, yeah, it quietens my mind, opens my heart. So how was it for you to listen to it? <laughs> I heard this, this piece, I think, many times before, but always almost always like in a movie and there's someone sitting on a piano forte and they're playing it and it's just this like it's very inviting and uh, I, I started thinking about like excelling in life like also as, as you shared you know that you're practicing this piece a bit if I understood you like and I'm thinking wow what it must be to be able to play this song. I don't, I don't play piano, 
but this like to be in flow with the soul. And also since we talked about the soul, I, I thought a lot about this uh, Disney, I think it's a Disney movie or there's a movie, animated movie called The Soul. And that's also a guy sitting on a piano. It's like playing jazz and it's just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like there's no, mm. there's just his soul and the music and the creativity. And that's really, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what came to me. How about you, Essie? I am very much with the quiet that Chris speaks to and I can really feel the silence and I'm exploring that, abiding in that. Yeah, so I, I notice that is what draws my attention. That's really... Uh, yeah. So that's what's primary for me. There's much more I could say, obviously, about the experience when it happened, but that's what, what comes up for me. Yeah, for me, the... The music is very fluid, and the, the the way the woman was playing was also very fluid. I don't play it in the same bodily way, but I like the fluidity, and it's also so free. You know, there's no uh, the the rhythm is free. So when there's there's some expression needed of um, um, it's like strength or power, then it goes quick. And then at a certain moment, it's becoming very quiet and still. And then the rhythm goes slower and slower and towards the end. And then halfway, it almost ends. And then you expect there's nothing coming. But then again, it starts all over anew. Right? It's so beautiful, this music. Chopin dared to, to take a break in the middle and have uh, I have this silence in the middle of it. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on again. Yeah. So free. And exquisite. Yeah. And very exquisite. Yeah. 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 This is for me, it's really soul music, I could say. Mm -hmm. Everything is in it where we started with them. The silence is in it, the expression is in it, the fire is in it, the love is in it. It's, um, it's like a uh, pure expression of the soul. Mm. Yeah, and the, and the mystery. So I feel this is a place where we come full circle. Yeah. 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 So I want to thank you, Chris, for coming on this podcast mm. and... Elin, do you have some final words? Yes. Thank you, Chris. It was lovely to, to meet you. Mm -hmm. and I'm, I feel so happy and, and blessed that we had this uh, Pearl Dialogue today. Mm. The three of us are just 
showed me parts of my soul and parts of my heart that wanted to come out and I'm, I'm really grateful to, to be alive. <laughs> mm. Yeah, thank you both for uh, inviting me in this uh, podcast. Mm. Uh, nice talking with you. Yeah. Likewise. Mm. Wonderful. Yes, everybody, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>